big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. This is Marion Rose and Lael Stone. And today we're going to be talking about sleep and aware parenting. But before we start, if you're newer to our podcast and you'd like to find more about us and our backgrounds, please come and listen to our first podcast where we really share a little bit about where we've come from. So sleep, before we even start about sleep, we'd really love to invite you to have a lot of compassion for yourself as you're listening because sleep can be a really emotive subject can't it there can be lots of ideas lots of shoulds lots of have to's and what we're going to be inviting is really just an aware parenting perspective to sleep but in a way that invites invites you to really listen into yourself and your own family and how you want to do things but really we're going to be wanting to give you information to help you make decisions that feel right for you and your family. Mm. And, and I'd like to start off by saying, you know, my work in birth uh, over the years, you know, whenever we talk about bringing the baby home or once the baby's here, and I often say to parents, what's your biggest fear or concern about bringing your baby home? <laughs> Always, it's like sleep, you know, uh, how am I going to go with not getting sleep and the baby sleep? And we, we are living in a culture that's terrified of sleeping and babies and that there's going to be issues and it's going to be hard like we set ourselves up from the beginning I feel to have this really negative story around what sleep is going to look like with a baby and and you know the reality is we we get woken up a lot with little bubbers and they need to feed and all of that is completely normal but um there is still a big I see a big um, fear or stress around mm. it even before we've begun becoming parents around the sleep issue yeah and as we were sharing we were having a conversation before and that actually that wasn't our experience either of us mm. and in you know we had different experiences but it was very much um kind of like almost an, an, a non-thing like mm. it wasn't something that was challenging or something that was a big thing and I think mm. uh, uh, we're going to talk more about why that was but I think it was also that you know, for me, I always had a sense that I'm not, I'm not going to be focusing on the sleep. I'm going to be focusing, focusing on the needs and the feelings, and the sleep is a byproduct of that. And we're going to talk more about that. Mm. And yeah, it really mm. was, it really was. Mm. Sleep's always been an easy thing in our family. I, I look, I didn't. I think again, coming from a different perspective of becoming a parent with, you know, just like on a whim. Oh yeah, let's have a baby. Uh, I didn't even really know that there was a whole thing around sleep. I often joke about this too with breastfeeding. I didn't even know that breastfeeding was meant to be hard because <laughs> like, I was just so young and naive I was like oh you just get the baby and do that and you, we did <laughs> so, oh, it was just I think my whole energy was like oh yeah you just do it I mean and being a young mum and really having no idea about sleep my son just slept anywhere because I just thought that's what you do like I didn't realize there were times when he looked for tired signs and you'd wrap them up or you'd put them here like I again he just got such loose parenting in the beginning because we were just like oh you know um, and, and really my whole thing around sleep just became about baby wearing because I figured that he would go to sleep easily if he was on me. And so instinctively and intuitively, that's just what I did. Probably because I wasn't surrounded. I didn't have any friends that had kids. I didn't have any other outside influences and there wasn't the internet back then. So it was kind of, I think, 
out of pure naivety, the instinct was allowed to kick in a little bit mm. to say that's what you do around some things, not with others. But the sleep thing was just, oh, well, I noticed he sleeps better if he's quiet, so I just wore him a lot, yes. you know, and yeah. that's how we did it. And kind of didn't have any um, structure around it because I just didn't know that that was a thing, firstly, but also just kind of fit into our life. So there was always, I think, from the beginning with us, just a very relaxed oh, well, we'll sleep when he sleeps and we'll figure it out as yes. we go. Yeah. You know. But I know that for, I think, because there's a lot of research around sleep and there's a lot of books on sleep, a lot of books on sleep, um, that I think a lot of new parents will come into it with a, we've got to get this right or there's a way to actually do it to make sure that we're all going to get some sleep. And I think that can be very challenging because your baby hasn't read the book and um, <laughs> and doesn't know that that's what it's meant to do sometimes. So, yeah, it can be yeah. tricky. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to talk a little bit about aware parenting as well in a couple of different ways. You know, I love my list of three, as you know. Mm. So for me, there are often we can often see sleep in three very broad perspectives. And I love seeing aware parenting as the third way. And again, you know, there isn't any such thing. These are just um, broad brushstrokes. Mm. They're, not, they're not kind of reality. They're just ways of looking at this. So one perspective is kind of that... You know, we need to teach babies very early on to sleep, to possibly to um, go to sleep on their own, to sleep through the night. That's one perspective. And another perspective is that we're going to be needing to put up with broken sleep and not very much sleep for many years or for quite a few years in those initial phases. And what I love about aware parenting is it's a really a way of seeing that we can have secure attachment, we can have closeness, and we can have sleep. And again, not in the very, very early months, but later on, it is actually really um, possible for babies to be securely attached and to to sleep in a, in a very calm and sound way. So that's what we're going to be talking more mm. about today. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, when I talk about sleep or from an aware parenting point of view, you know, and I'm sure you agree with me on this, is so much of it is around um, what helps us sleep as humans is to feel relaxed and calm and safe and all those beautiful things to allow us to go to sleep. And, you know, if we start looking at sleep from, you know, little bubbers, you know, and in in our other podcasts we have talked about babies and birth and just what stresses and traumas babies may be carrying in their bodies... And when they're not able to release them, you know, it becomes very hard for their nervous system to completely soften and relax to be able to fall into those deep, beautiful, peaceful sleeps. And that's where sleep can become very challenging because babies will be trying to quite often move what is happening in their bodies and their beings. And as the parent, you know, we can think that there's something wrong and we need to stop that. And often there becomes this really push-pull and the baby's not able to really often release and perhaps let go and move into those deep, restful states. Yes. Mm. So I love my other list of three Mm. here that I'd love to share that I believe we need three things to be able to sleep peacefully. Mm. And I think that's for all ages, not just babies and or children, it's adults Mm. too. We need to feel tired, number one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Makes sense, doesn't it? It's a physiological thing. We absolutely need to feel tired. Mm-hmm. Number two, we need to feel connected. So we are mammals. It's really normal and natural for us. Mm-hmm. And it's about, we might talk a bit about that. It's really only very recently in, in the Industrial Revolution where the idea of sleeping separately came into being. And I do want to say, though, we're not saying you have to co-sleep, mm-hmm. but it's really understanding the the 
the need for connection in order and the way I like to see it is again a, a really natural um, nervous system thing that we need to know and babies and children in particular they need to know that it's safe enough to go to sleep so mm-hmm. if you again if you think of this in more ancient times if there was something going on in the environment you know some saber-toothed tiger that was going to possibly come along uh, and we were or we were left on our own we would need to stay alert we would need to stay awake and so that connection is part of that that safety it's safe to go to sleep yes and the third thing that's required is, is as you're addressing is to feel we need to feel relaxed we need to feel relaxed in our bodies and there are generally two ways that we do this and again this is not only with babies and children but with ourselves as adults we can either do things so some of the things that we do actually do create a true natural relaxation some of the actions that we take create a natural relaxation but sometimes we do things to apparently create relaxation it's kind of like an um, on the top it's like an on the top relaxation so it's not a true deeply you know Mm. that deep deep relaxation it's kind of a doing something to to um can you put that into words for me? Mm. Like to uh, an on the top relaxation, which isn't a true deep body. So do you mean sense. something like watching Netflix to go to sleep? Or... Yeah. So as adults, yeah, yeah, the things that we might scroll, you know, mm. you might scroll or read books mm. or doing things that appear to be we appear to help ourselves feel relaxed, but we're not. We're not really actually feeling relaxed, mm. and we do mm. that often, so often with babies and children. Mm. That's what you're speaking to. Is yeah. we think we need to do things to make them feel relaxed and yes mm. we do need to facilitate that but babies are they come in with this an amazing inbuilt relaxation mm. and healing and release mechanism yes. and often because we do not understand that and it goes back to the trust piece that we've been talking mm. about so much we we tend to not trust that they know that mm. we don't in our culture we think that we're the ones that need to teach them mm. But from this perspective, it's not about teaching. There's nothing to do with teaching in sleep. It's n- it's n- none of that. It's all about actually us understanding how those natural relaxation mechanisms work, watching for that, going back to those three things, watching for their tired signals, you know, really responding to that, meeting that need for closeness yes. in the here and now so they can they have that in their bodies when mm. they go to sleep and then actually help cooperating with their natural relaxation mechanisms mm. so that they feel deeply naturally relaxed really in their bodies Mm. and look you know when I again with my first two kids not necessarily having this information did a lot of breastfeeding to sleep which would often take a really long time particularly when they got past that kind of nine ten months of age and then they would like you know just crawl all over the bed and you know breastfeed on and then off and all that kind of stuff and and getting them to sleep would take a long time and then they would sleep well well they would sleep fine because we co-slept and they were close to me but um you know the the getting to sleep was really often very tricky once they'd kind of moved into that different phase which you know we've talked about you know which is often you know around about that 10 month mark you know they move into avoiding their feelings a little bit more and don't cry for it so freely and it shifts and stuff accumulation of feelings because it's nine months of feelings that possibly have been accumulated and they so that becomes more in their bodies they can feel that more yes so you know the getting to sleep often used to take a long time whereas then with my third baby having understood where parenting you know for me what i saw is that every time particularly when she was little before she needed to go to sleep, she really needed to have a cry to allow her body to just completely let go and reset. And she, 
often have to have a great cry in arms. So again, being really close. Again, always being close, not, you know, not leaving her to cry, but really being close with her. Then she would move into a deep, really peaceful sleep and and not make wake up, you know, half as much as what the other kids did on some level. And so I really began to see, I think, you know, and we always say this with the way parenting, to be curious about your child's behavior. So when we do some of these things, watching how your child is after, how are they? Are they they bright in their eyes? Are they deeply connected to you? Are their bodies relaxed? All those kind of beautiful signs we look out for. I could so see that she would just move into these deep, beautiful, peaceful, really rejuvenating sleeps because her body was allowed to come back to that rest and center and as you know doing that when your children are little and as she would get older it moved from as she got a little bit older from needing to have a cry before sleep and up until maybe four or five years of age often she would need to have a little cry before she'd go to sleep at night it would then be that it would be time to go to bed and we'd get into bed and I used to love she'd do this she'd lay in bed and she'd look at me and she'd go nah can't sleep yet need to need to shake out my body and I'd go okay what are you going to do and she's like let's do handstands and I was like great so she'd get up and she'd do handstands for like 10 minutes I go good handstands and we'd laugh and giggle and then she'd lay back in the bed and she'd take a moment and she'd go yeah that's better and then she'd be able to go to sleep so yeah. she kind of knew, she knew what she needed exactly, which is what they all the do baby. but we just don't necessarily see we don't know mm-hmm. so all those signs which i'm sure you often see with parents is the the being in bed and the being antsy and yes. the being actually kicking and maybe wanting the another you know the mm-hmm. third glass of water or the yep. third breastfeed or you know whatever yep. age they are yep. the the 17th book the you know I really want to go and play that thing again mm-hmm. those are all ways that that they are you know really if we look at their bodies their bodies tell us if they are not feeling relaxed enough to go to sleep and that is not something they're mm-hmm. doing deliberately they're mm-hmm. not doing it and I think often for parents mm-hmm. they can be like you know they, we can feel frustrated yes. why are they not going what are they doing why are they doing yes. it deliberately and there's yes. this whole belief that babies and children fight sleep yes and to to me it's really it's that it's just we watch their bodies and their their feelings and their nervous system they are not fighting it they actually want to release the feelings they are inbuilt with this mechanism to cry in our loving arms when Mm. they're babies to express the feelings of the day or of their birth or of the overwhelming things or the scary things which are normal and natural for every baby and when they get older that can often mm. be in the form of play and being silly mm. and goofy because mm. laughter helps release the stresses mm. they are trying to do that and often I, I say with the most loving compassion for us is often we are fighting those natural yes. relaxation mechanisms yes. which is so normal and human yes. because you know what when you've been parenting all day or you've been at work <laughs> yeah, and you come yeah. home and you're tired like really yeah. at 8 o'clock at night we have, you know, our reserves are really empty. So it's so normal as a parent to be like, oh, my God. Like, I just really need you to go to sleep because I need some space or I need time or I've got to do the dishes or I have to get back to those emails or, yes. you know, the pressures of life. Again, I always joke, if we lived in a world where there was no time restraints and our house was always clean and someone cooked us food and we had heaps of money in the bank, we would have so much spaciousness and And, space and there are already 17 other people who would like to come and listen to our babies or play yeah. with their children as well (laughs) we we would have probably a lot more in our tank to do this and so it becomes a very it becomes a very big um 
you know, it becomes a quite a big issue. I've seen a lot of parents of being able to have enough left in the tank at night to yes. help this last little bit of listening to feelings or helping our children unwind. And, and you know, I often do say to parents, look, the more we can listen during the day, yes. the less they will often have to do at night. Yes. And often listening to feelings or that beautiful playing connection during the day is easier because we're not tired ourselves. Yes. You know, we, we have a bit more fuel in our tank to do it. So... You know, when people often come to me around sleep issues and, and the idea of listening to feelings at night feels yes. so daunting. I'm like, so just start with the day. Yes. Start with little bits and pieces that are around. Perhaps during the day, if you can see your child, you know, is starting to get tired and they're needing to have a day sleep and you've got the space, maybe you might set a loving limit or you might set something for them to push up against so they can have a big, you know, release. Yes. And We're then going to see talk how they are. about loving limits more in a later yes. podcast. Yes, anyway. yes. If you're wondering what that is, <laughs> go scroll down and have a look. Um, so that, that those things, again, can really help. Mm during the day as a parent to be able to just start working on offloading some stuff that's there and creating perhaps a new connection or paradigm around when we go to sleep it's okay to offload how you're feeling so that your body feels better within that and children then become so used to that and it feels so much better for them then they just easily go into it often yeah the other thing i think can really it can really work against this content because if we are if we're if we're feeling stressed in our bodies and tired and if we're like I really want to just go to sleep because I want to go to sleep or I want this time for myself mm. or I want to go and do the 75 other emails or, or do work or whatever is they feel that yes so mm-hmm. that's the, and they because we were talking before about that nervous system thing they need mm. to feel the connection that's part of the, the mm. safety and they also need to feel connected with us in order to express their feelings to us. It's like mm. us often, we, we would like to talk at the mm. end of the day, don't we, to share our feelings. And we want someone who's actually going to listen. Mm. So the paradox is anything also that we can do for ourselves. And often I recommend a little bit of self-present time for ourselves. Mm. And maybe, you know, maybe if your kids go to school and you don't go to work, or even if you do go to work, maybe driving home or coming home on the bus or the train, or even just perhaps they're hanging out and they're doing something or your baby's with, if you have a partner, even just taking five minutes, like mm. before whatever you do for bedtime, mm. to just do a bit of yoga, just lie down on the sofa, whatever mm. your thing is, to just connect back in with your body and to just fill up your tank even a tiny bit. Often they can really feel that in their bodies mm. and that will actually help them a feel more connected in terms of those three things that will help them feel more connected and it's more likely to help them release whatever they need to release in order to feel relaxed completely because and that's you know something we will explore more in these podcasts the quality of how we turn up has such an impact on what they do really (laughs) because if you are putting your child to bed and in your head you're like all right i'm gonna listen to your feelings but just hurry up and do it because i've got to get my to my emails and you're just you there on one level go i'm gonna listen but your energy is like i don't really want to be doing this they're gonna totally feel that they get they get what we're feeling not what we're saying (laughs) so so much and that's really challenging i mean i just i know that i've been in that place so many times where i'll catch myself and just go i'm actually not doing anything here that is helping because you know my energy is going i don't have space for this i'm feeling resentful about doing this this is really hard Um, as opposed to a presence of i'm really here for you and i'm i'm deeply connected to you and you can just tell me all the things you need to let go of so your body can sleep and it's funny you know again i've found in my own experience of 
when it, there has been times where my kids are needing to go to bed and I'm trying to do listening, but I'm not really present. It just doesn't work no. at all until I finally go, oh, God, just drop in a little bit. Yes. And in that moment when you drop in, they go, oh, okay, there you go. Thanks, <laughs> Mum. She's here. Well done. <laughs> and, that, and that makes a difference. And so, again, I, look, I invite so much compassion to parents. Yes. We are just so doing the best job we can yeah. with, with everything that's going on. And, and, you know, sleep is definitely one of those things that is a real sweet spot for a lot of parents as yeah. well in that sense of just it's, it's really challenging and it's hard because not having enough sleep as a parent and adult really just puts you on the edge all the time i mean sleep deprivation is just brutal and you know i have worked with parents where perhaps they've done something to help their kids sleep that it hasn't felt as in alignment with them but the bigger picture has been they needed to get some sleep and and i really support that of just like sometimes we need to put look at the bigger picture to then see what we can do within that because you know, we, and that could be like giving their child a dummy, you know, at night yep. to go to sleep. And I'm like, absolutely. If that means you're all getting some more sleep and, and that's allowing you to feel more, um, have a bit more, you know, you feel a bit more restored in your being and then you're able to listen in other times. And that's actually a good thing. Yes. You know, we have to be, we can't get stuck into, it's got to look like this at all, yeah. you know, and, that, and that we trust again, that, you know, perhaps in time when you have had more sleep and your child is perhaps a bit bigger, then you might remove that dummy and then you could listen to what's going on there. And, yes. and we have to just so be gentle and compassionate with it. Yes, 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 yes. So it's so important, isn't it? Do you know, I love, I like thinking of the yin and yang symbol. You know, the yin and yang mm. symbol is often we think, and it's going a little bit back, but we think we need to do things. So we're trying to create relaxation. And again, mm. some of those things can be helpful. You know, the muted lights and mm. the, and the you know, bath with essential oils mm. and the, you know, whatever the things, they can be really beautiful to help um, facilitate them feeling more relaxed. But sometimes they don't. Sometimes they can work against that. And it's actually, mm. if we if we try to force relaxation what then happens is often they will wake up later on mm. to express the feelings that we've been we've been kind of trying to push down mm. to, to make them feel relaxed those will often come up often when they're in lighter sleep so when it's with babies often it will be around that 40 45 minute every yeah. time they come into lighter sleep they'll wake up again because they're actually it's part of that beautiful natural inbuilt relaxation mm. mechanism they have I want to let these feelings out. I want to share this mm. with you. I want this to. I want this to be heard. Mm. Will you be? Will, are you willing to listen to me? Whereas, if we can, and if we do have the resources, which uh, you know many times we may not, but if we can, really cooperate with their natural relaxation mechanisms and hold them in our arms. You know what I love about this as well is, do you remember all those times just holding, holding our babies in our arms? without all the doing it's Mm. it's i remember so many times that deep sense of just being present and still Mm. and without and again feel free to do all the other things Mm. as well but without the the jiggling and the rocking and the bouncing and the singing and the distracting Mm. but actually to be so deeply present in our Mm. bodies and to communicate that Mm. i am so here with you and i'm i'm listening Mm. and i and i trust you i trust your mechanism I trust your feelings and I'm here to listen and I'm going to keep listening Mm. and that's in terms of that yin and yang we're going with that the bigness of the feelings whether it's the bigness of the crying or when they get older the bigness of the laughing Mm. and the playing and the being goofy being with them in that 
then allows them to move into this beautiful natural calm space which is their true natures yes. it's natural for them to feel deeply calm and relaxed and mm. to be able to sleep you know that you know the arms above the head type mm. of relaxation the the sleeping so deeply and i'm mm. sure you've experienced that at times mm. yourself perhaps you've you know you've had a big day full of laughter and connection or mm. big cries you've done a big workshop or whatever the thing is and you feel so deeply relaxed and how mm. gorgeous that mm. is and I, that's why i often like to invite parents to mm. to remember how you know how how you feel when you feel like that and how mm. sleep is and how you feel when perhaps you've you know got a job interview or the the dentist or i don't know something going on mm. and it's really sitting with you you're thinking about it, it's in your mm. body mm. and you may find it mm. takes three hours to go to sleep even mm. with reading a book scrolling instagram watching five drinking series. a glass of <laughs> wine Netflix. eating yeah. chocolate yeah. it's still hard to go to sleep yes. and you may then find you wake up at 1 a.m and then 3 a.m mm. and mm. then 5 a.m mm-hmm. This is nothing, this is not wrong. These are mm. things that's not wrong with our body. This is the, the beautiful, and again, I love your work with this, Leo, the trust, the deep, deep trust in our babies, in our children, in ourselves, in our bodies. Mm. That our bodies are so full of wisdom. They know how to help us feel deeply relaxed. Mm. And, you know, the things that we often think are part and parcel of childhood, you know, um, waking up lots and get waking up really early in the morning is is actually so often not always but so often a sign of them not feeling as relaxed in their bodies as they mm. could be and actually it really can be different it yes. we really can help them feel that the relaxation that they want to feel they're not fighting sleep they don't enjoy feeling agitated mm. they want to feel that deep at-homeness and presence and mm. relaxation in the body so that they can sleep peacefully and soundly mm. and wake up. You know, we always used to joke in our family that um, my kids would always sleep a certain amount of hours, so whatever time we went to bed, and they would always sleep till usually like... And we I never really looked at clocks, but mm. it was often like 8, 8.30 or something mm. like that, 9... Mm. And so we'd often be going to things and we'd often be there late. Because we're like, yeah, we just, we just, <laughs> just wake up. And he just woke up. So, mm. Ooh. Um, mm. so just, and again, not, not to have judgment or any of the things that every journey for every family is different. We're going to be inviting you to yeah. connect in with you or your own unique journey and what, how you would like to do it. That's the most important thing. But just to know that children, babies and children want to feel relaxed. They yes. want to feel, they want to sleep peacefully and mm. and restoratively so mm. yeah I agree with you and I mean for me it always I do bring it back to that um you know to us how do we feel yes I mean it's always a good thing like yes. I, I even last week I have so many projects on the go and so many things on my mind I did wake up at four in the morning yeah. and I, in my head I was doing lists and I remember going oh this is not good <laughs> like this is not healthy and my thought was wow that hasn't happened for a while but I, I need something to bring myself back into balance so that I can rest more. So it was really it's a flag, just, isn't it? Yeah, totally. It was like, okay, what do I need within this? So I think that you know, again, I really love this piece of whole of aware parenting. Is our children actually know what they need to do all the time? They know what they need to do to release. They know what they need to do through play to make sense of things. They they are so connected to their source on some level they always know what they need to do we just often miss the signs right they're always telling us you know what they need and sleep is another big one within that and you know like from a practical point of view you know for me with babies you know i would see so normal as a little baby who's taking in all this information all the time and processing
and stuff, you know, that they would need to have a cry before every sleep yes, when they're little. Too. Like, yeah, I just, I saw that as completely normal. Yeah. And then as they got bigger, not so much, you know, yes. it might have been just at night time. Yes. And so, and part of it would be just factoring in, okay, if they're looking tired, you know, okay, we're going to do half an hour of listening. Yes. Whether it was play or a bit of crying or maybe a book or whatever, but... I just went, that's what it will be, and then order for them to sleep. And and having that as part of just that's what it was going to be felt normal and okay. So there wasn't that pressure of, oh, it's got to be like this or not, you know. And And that that was a a beautiful thing. I love that. Mm. I love that. And it's really having that awareness, isn't it? And like you, it's like noticing. I remember with my my children, again, with my daughter, not so much because I was still learning. So she would have a cry before every bedtime from three months old in our arms Mm. it was generally just a once a day cry and with my son I was so much more aware of what to watch for Mm. and how to listen and so much more comfortable so he pretty much did cry before every sleep in my arms and he was so deeply relaxed and what what for with both of them if they were more agitated in their sleep or they did wake up or they Mm. woke up a little bit early occasionally Mm. That was really, like you, it was a sign. Mm. Okay, there's actually more feelings here. It's just Mm. an accumulation. So it's a lovely, it's a, all these behaviours are actually ways that we can really understand Mm. what our children and what our babies are feeling and what they need from us. Isn't Mm. it the most gorgeous thing? Rather than, and yes, you know, loving all the parts of us that have the judgments and the frustration, of course, all of that. But seeing like, actually, this is the most amazing gift because with babies and children, we can so clearly see the, we talk about the foundations of their psyche. We yes. can see so clearly the sleep is really an indication of what's going on for them in their body and their feelings. 100%. And, you know, I found too, as my kids got older, particularly as they moved into the teenage years, sleep would shift and change again so you know they they became more independent to wanting their own beds or their own room but you know our bed was always a you're welcome to come whenever and and i do often talk about this that our family bed not that it's people they sleep with us anymore my 18 year old son definitely doesn't sleep with us (laughs) with his girlfriend now but you know it, it was always a safe place to come if you wanted to and i remember it like as a little child like one of my kids would say it makes no sense to me how as grown-ups um you sleep with someone and yes. nighttime's a scary thing and and the little people who are the most scared why don't they sleep with someone and i was like yeah it makes a lot of sense you know and for, for quite a few years there my two younger girls um slept you know they had a big double bed they slept together because they wanted to and then they wanted more space and then i found even too as they started to move through puberty they really called in a lot of closeness before bedtime again so mm-hmm. they wanted cuddles before bed and as they were making that next leap into that phase into you know becoming a teenager I found that they wanted closeness again as they were you know about to expand and so that became a really precious time that I just factored in that you know they would want me for half an hour to snuggle in bed with them and that's where they'd often share a lot of their big thoughts or feelings that were going on and and um and it's still beautiful even my 15 year old daughter now when she's going to bed I mean she doesn't need me to go to bed she goes to bed when she chooses but I'll often go in at night and she'll be listening to music or something and I get into bed with her and she'll give me one of her earphones and we just we have a giggle snuggle she shows me funny things and just I'm seeing even still as she's navigating this world that that closeness and connection to just keep tuning in before 
sleep is is beautiful yes. it's such a beautiful special soft yeah. time yeah. that so i find that i'll totally take it and especially with teenagers whenever they invite <laughs> yep. you into their personal space you yes. just jump <laughs> you jump it in it becomes the opposite doesn't it <laughs> like when they're babies yeah yeah they're, they're wanting us all the time on their bodies and then when they're teenagers you know we're like oh but i want to cuddle you <laughs> so you just take those moments any, and you can any moment. uh but but i think you know for me you know celebrating sleep is a beautiful wonderful thing again our energy has a lot to do with it and and when we see it as a real challenge and sometimes it's even just really expanding a little bit into our belief systems and thinking around it and i totally get that when we haven't had sleep or it's been a challenge it's big you know but you know i I often invite people to say okay let's stand back from that a little bit and see how that has played out in our journey and what would we like this to look like and what can we bring to shift and change that to allow it to look in a different way can be just even a starting place to feel into it with it but i think you know the basics and that you know to really keep it really simple coming back to we we naturally designed to sleep deeply but we can't if we've got a whole lot of stuff going on which is all humans you know yeah, yeah. Mm. And I love what you're saying because we're we're really inviting you to listen into yourself and your own family. So there's mm. no there is no one way for any family and I think again the most important thing that we're we're sharing about is really listening into you and your family. And again seeing this cultural picture, we really were saying that it's such a kind of western cultural thing that children tend to sleep alone and they go to bed at 7 30 and that's kind of it and really seeing that if you look across cultures all around the world if you look at the mediterranean culture often there was a siesta in the middle of the day and children will be up late at night if you look at many um you know more um, ancient cultures often children would just kind of go to sleep at whatever time wherever and in hammocks and you know so if you look around the world, there's probably every different way of sleeping. So it's really to see the reason for that is not that there's one right way, but that you get to choose what what you want for your family. So mm. if you want to play around with things, um, you know, you get to do that again. Mm. You, it's really listening into what you perhaps might like mm. to tweak for your family, what you might like to play with, moving things around, trying mm. things out mm. and seeing how it goes. And uh, One of the things I talk to my teens a lot about is you know because when you become teenagers your sleep patterns change you know their brains are are growing and changing and often it's hard for them to go to sleep before 11 o'clock at night because their rhythms change and and yet we need to get up at seven o'clock to go to school in the morning and they often don't want to get up because they're tired and my teenage daughter's trying to champion that school starts later <laughs> she's like i'm gonna take that to the board i'm like good for you darling um because she's like well, some schools are actually yeah. in europe aren't they in different mm. places are actually doing mm. that for teens because of really not understanding that physiologically yes. because they you know they're switching on later at night and and then needing to rest a bit more during the day and that's that's tricky in in navigating that and how that looks and i, I really can appreciate too in our modern day when we have to get to kinder or school and those kind of things there's a pressure on that we want to make sure our kids have enough sleep and that's very tricky trying to fit into yes, those schedules so, and routines so and, and it that. really is about working within your own family dynamic of exactly. how that can feel for you you know and it's it's you know I, I love again there's no right or wrong way to do it you know and i mean some beautiful research around sleep i know james mckenna has got beautiful research around co-sleeping you know particularly for when babies are younger and breastfeeding that kind of stuff around you know what the benefits of that definitely for baby and for parents and you know one book 
that I often talk to my new parents about is the book Three in the Bed. I can't remember who wrote it. I'll put it in our show notes. Um, That's a beautiful study about cultures all around the world and why in the West they started sleeping away from their children and where it first originated again to if they wanted to make warriors in the tribes then they would leave their babies alone to sleep and the babies would cry a lot and really develop that switching off mechanism to their feelings and emotions because it often brought up a lot of abandonment and those kind of things so that they became stronger warriors where they weren't getting into I shouldn't harm somebody else that was a very not great example of what she writes in the book she writes it very beautifully so go and have a look at that book because it really does talk about from an evolutionary point of view of where we have come to with sleep and it's really it that was really insightful when I read that book many years ago about how many other cultures in the world they all sleep together you know in a, a lot of the Asian cultures that's just a very normal thing to do African cultures to all sleep together and a lot of that sometimes is because of just room and space but um you know it is good to really question why and how and what does that feel like for our family as well yeah and really finding your own so really listening inquiring to find your own you know your own thing and really understanding that if you do choose not to co-sleep that there are certainly other things that you can put into place or uh you know that you can increase closeness during the day you can make sure that there is closeness ongoing to sleep even if there isn't co-sleeping so there are certainly ways that you can work around that but I think it's so important isn't it to really listen in to what really what really resonates for us And, and then find you know what again what I love about aware parenting is it's it's all about finding ways to get everyone's needs met. So I know mm. often in families as well, there might be, if there's a mum and a dad, the mum and the dad may have different perspectives and beliefs and feelings around around sleeping, co-sleeping. So it's really ha- finding a way to get everyone's needs met. Mm. And for a baby, that is for closeness, but there are ways that we can do that. You know, if in it's not ways. co-sleeping, it yeah. might be having... You know, there are things right next to the bed or you can, mm. if you have a cot, you can have it in the same room or you can make a gradual transition. Mm. No, there are all different ways that you can do it. So this is really all about, I think, understanding the information and the research mm. and understanding a baby's and child's needs and understanding sleep mm. and then really listening to everybody. How, what, okay, what can we mm. do? What should we do for our family? Yes. And really honouring where you sit as the parent and the caregiver around your needs with it as well I mean yes. it's, it's really big yeah. it can't yeah. be all about yeah. just the child and and then you're feeling resentful you know yes. again what I love about aware parenting is as you say everyone getting their needs met you know how can I hold this that feels good for me as yep. the child as well and and I even found that too when my babies got to about the age of two you know we were co-sleeping and breastfeeding and I got to a point where I was like yeah I can't do this anymore like this was enough for me I felt like I'd reached a point where I was like Okay, and it wasn't, even though they were probably still happy to keep going, it didn't, it wasn't feeling like that for me. I was starting to feel a bit resentful as I was feeding or just I needed some more space. And so I was like, okay, we can wean and we can do these things in a way that's totally honoring of both of us. And that was a really important piece. It felt great as long as it felt great. And then when it didn't, I was like, okay, what do we need to do to honour what this transition looks like for me as well as the care provider? So it's being compassionate for everyone. I think, again, other parenting approaches can tend to focus more on a parent's needs or more on a baby's needs. And 
again aware parenting is the third way because it's all mm. about how can we meet everyone's needs here mm. listen yes. to everyone's feelings with loving compassion mm. including our own Absolutely. <laughs> yes that's the big piece um okay beautiful um so i guess our invitation around sleep is to just i guess tune into for yourself what happens for you before going to bed so you know, what do you do in order to help you have deep restful sleeps? Or is there something that you're doing that maybe needs to shift a bit to allow yourself to, to whether that's expressing how you feel, whether whatever that looks like in your closeness to be with someone or to allow yourself to move into that deep, restful, peaceful sleep for yourself. And I guess also for your children, you know, what, what if it's just being more aware of if there's actually something they're calling for that we're missing within that that would help them move into that sleep as well yes and again i think i really like having those three things in mind the the also what what we're thinking what we're needing what we're feeling but also what we what we're telling ourselves what we're thinking about why they're doing what they're doing and seeing if in that moment perhaps if you are judging them or thinking they're doing it deliberately or why are they not going to sleep is seeing if you can if this does resonate with you to drop into you know what what is it that they're needing here do they are they actually feeling tired maybe even going through that list yourself are they feeling tired are they feeling connected and are they feeling relaxed and what can i do to help cooperate with that natural relaxation mechanism whether it's through listening or when they're older joining in with the play and having lots of laughter we will talk more about mm. this in another podcast mm. but you know really what can i do to cooperate with that and what can i do to you know what can we do to meet our needs more so we are more resourced to cooperate mm. with that beautiful and i guess some resources to check out so <laughs> marion does have a course on sleep <laughs> she's got something about everything go and again check out her website because there's some beautiful stuff around sleep there um and i would also like to mention um a beautiful book called Sleep Play Love, which is by Sophie Acott, and she um, has done a lot of work around aware parenting and hand in hand parenting. And she's written a great book that I find is a really great place for people to start around sleep and she talks a lot about listening to feelings and trauma babies might carry on but also there's a lot of non it's really non-judgmental around how you're choosing to do it with your baby sleeping with you in a different room in a cot and it's one of i guess the only few resources i've really found that really embraces what we talk a lot about is our own feelings and babies have feelings and that kind of stuff so i definitely recommend checking that out because it's a really great another great resource to feel into around um around sleep and just a different way of doing it mm, as well i know this is totally off uh, back to what we're talking about but we didn't share and i would like to say one more thing babies who've had a more traumatic birth oh, or they yes. have had more the amount of feelings a baby has particularly before bed uh will be affected by their experiences in utero during birth and you know during a stressful if you've had a stressful mm. day out they're going to have more feelings so mm. it's really helpful again to bear in mind all babies are different based mm. on their earlier experiences yes and and your baby might not need a lot of Ooh, crying before yeah. sleep they might have like a two or three minutes and that's it yeah. you know because they might not be there so it's such a good point yeah. you know often the more trauma if there has been separation all that kind of stuff often there is the more feelings they yes. need to release so yeah good to see yeah thank you again for being here with us on our little sleep journey we hope you can join us again for another one of our other podcasts exploring aware parenting um, from our beautiful different perspectives but really wanting to um, open up great conversations around you know deep connection and attachment with mm. our children yay yeah. lots of love to you mm.
Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.